Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? It's so good to be with you. I know many of you in the Northeast had a blizzard. I saw it on the weather last night. Um, I hope you're doing all right. And I, I don't know if I hate to tell you this, but Tulsa is gorgeous and sunny and 26 degrees early this morning, but but not a drop of snow so far, so far. We're a little south. It's so good to be with you. And our Lent, Lenten season has begun. The opportunity not to give something up, but to give to God, right? And it, it's beautiful. We can't give to God what we don't have. We can only give what we have. So it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And I pray that it started well for you yesterday on Ash Wednesday. And uh, you know it was a first-class feast, Ash Wednesday, Um, and the whole of Lent is third-class, by the way, but um, it wasn't a holy day of obligation, and uh, if you didn't get ashes, there's no problem, they're a sacramental, uh, and anyone can get them, you don't even have to be Catholic, but um, it's it's wonderful, wonderful reminder, reminder that um, that indeed we came from dust, and to dust we shall return. It's a wonderful reminder of our mortality, of our weakness, of our failure, of our sinfulness, and only in Christ can we be um, born again to new life um, and have life with him and in him. And I've been thinking what we should do for the Lenten season, and I personally, I think I've told you before, I absolutely love St. Francis de Sales. Now, we are Benedictine sisters here, but our our two patrons, well, four, actually, we have St. Benedict, then St. Francis de Sales, but the first two are Our Lady of Guadalupe and and St. Joseph. And so um, uh, St. Francis de Sales, as you may know, who began, who founded with St. Jane de Chantal, the Visitation of Holy Mary, um, in uh, 1610, uh, and so, and then he died in 1622, and so, um, in that time, in the early 1600s, between 1610 and 1622, he taught a lot, he wrote a lot, uh, gave many, 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 many sermons and lectures, and and there was no recording machine in those days. The sisters wrote everything down furiously, and we have many, many books written by by that that saint, the gentle saint, the saint of love. He has called so many names. Um, and for me, I, I think he's the greatest pastor the church and the world have ever had. And so there's a series for Lent given in 1622, the year he died. Um, and so um, I thought, you know, when we say to pick a book for Lent and read it through, um, I decided to, uh, I read this years ago, and I don't, I don't remember it now, but I decided it's going to be my Lenten reading for this year. And I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful? We'll read it together. 
So it'll be our Lenten reading, or at least one among other things you're reading. And it begins with fasting. And he's given, looks like he's given a, he's giving a sermon to them uh, every Thursday of Lent. So this is the first one, and the subject is fasting. And he says, these first four days of the holy season of Lent, what would they be? Ash Wednesday, the Thursday following Ash Wednesday, the Friday, and the Saturday. Those are the first four days of Lent, because then the Sunday will be titled the first Sunday of Lent. So this, uh, these four days, first four days of the holy season of Lent, serve as a preface to indicate the preparation that we ought to make in order to spend Lent well and to dispose ourselves to fast well. So if you're out there and you feel you're not sure if you've made a proper rep- a, um, preparation or you you jumped into it too fast or you decided too fast and maybe yesterday what you decided on, you already failed in join the club. Join the no problem. So St. Francis' sales is going to help us to just get our plan together during these first four days. Um, And he says to dispose ourselves to fast well. That is why I thought, St. Francis writes to his sisters, that's why I thought of speaking to you in this exhortation. Now, I can't say for sure that these were his uh, sermons only to the religious, because he spoke to the whole town um, where he lived. uh, Half of France listened to him, so this is for everyone. Um. He said, that is why I thought of speaking to you in this exhortation of the conditions which render fasting good and uh, meritorious. He says, I will speak as briefly and as familiarly as possible, not only today, but in the discourses that I will address to you every Thursday during Lent. All will be as simple and proper for your hearts as I can make them. And you can trust, dear ones, that St. Francis makes them very simple for us, very doable for us, and extraordinarily holy. Holiness doesn't have to be complicated, just as Mother Teresa said, little things done with love. And so he says, to treat of fasting and of what is required to fast well, we must at the start understand that of itself, fasting is not a virtue. The good and the bad, as well as Christians and pagans, observe it. The ancient philosophers observed it and recommended it. They were not virtuous for that reason, nor did they practice virtue in fasting. Oh no, he says, Fasting is a virtue only when it is accompanied by conditions which render it pleasing to God. Thus it happens that it profits some and not others, because it is not undertaken by all in the same manner. Oh, beloved, I've met so many people who do such strenuous things, even scrupulously, which is never good. Um, and this and that, and they, they put themselves in a little prison. And it really uh, doesn't prepare them uh, to love God or to enter into uh, any season. Um, it's, it's their doing. It has to be by the grace of God. And we need to understand um, 
what it takes to really walk with God and be doing things for love of him, not for love of ourselves in wanting to be holy, but for love of God. St. Francis continues, We find some people who think that to fast well during the holy season of Lent, it is enough to abstain from eating some prohibited food. But this thought is too gross to enter into the hearts of religious. For it is to you I speak. Well, there, that settles it. He's writing this to his sisters. But, beloved, anything that's said to sisters, to religious, is, it could be said to the entire world, only that religious are required under vow of obedience to keep it beyond what people in the world uh, can keep it or required to keep it because they have work and they have families to raise. So each one needs to do what they can according to the vocation. But to religious sisters, um, they are bound. Um, And he says, it is to you I speak as well. Now, listen to this. As well as persons dedicated to our Lord. We know very well that it is not enough to fast exteriorly if we do not also fast interiorly. And if we do not accompany the fast of the body with that of the spirit, listen, beloved, this, if you need a spiritual director going through Lent, you've got one now, St. Francis de Sales. He only, he gave these sermons once a week, but we're going to be reading them every morning. That is why St. Francis says, um, our divine master who instituted the fast greatly desired in his sermon on the Mount to teach his apostles how it must be practiced, which is a matter of great profit and utility, for it would not have been becoming to the greatness and majesty of God to teach a useless doctrine. That could not be. He knew, our Lord knew, that to draw strength and efficacy from fasting something more than abstinence from prohibited food is necessary. Thus he instructed them and consequently disposed them to gather the fruits proper to fasting. Among many others are these four. Fasting fortifies the spirit, mortifying the flesh and its sensuality. That's number one. It fortifies the spirit, mortifying, killing, putting to death the flesh and its sensitivity, a sensuality. Secondly, it raises the spirit to God. Thirdly, it fights concupiscence and gives power to conquer and deaden its passions. That's our tendency to sin. And finally, in short, it disposes the heart to seek to please only God with great purity of heart. You know, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, beloved. And apart from him, we can do a lot, but nothing counts for eternity. And nothing counts unless it is done to please God. We could fast to lose weight. That's very legitimate. But it doesn't count to please God as a virtue. No. No. If um, it, it counts to, to uh, keep our body healthy, that's very good. Um, but our spirit has to uh, go along with that. And the grace needs to be from God. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll continue with this when we come back from the break. And then um, with our second break, we'll take your calls, your emails, and um, your text. And I'll give you the call-in number in advance. It's toll-free, 
888-528-5483, or you can email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you today, and I'm especially thrilled that we could take this Lenten journey together. And you know, if you have a family and you want suggestions of what to do, and maybe with your children and their ages, and how do you spend Lent in a world that really is pretty much turned from God, how do we do all these things? If you have any questions, beloved, I would love to for us to talk about them together because we encourage one another to love and good works, as the scriptures say. So right now, we are reading um, the sermons of St. Francis de Sales uh, for Lent. And of course, he lived in the 17th century, and he wrote these in uh, 1622, which was the year he died. But he was um, very sharp right to the end. And he says this... um, Um, let me see, where did we leave off? It will be very helpful to state, he says, clearly what must be done to fast well these 40 days. For although everyone is, and let me just interrupt by saying he's a, not just a master of the spiritual life um, and a bishop, um, but he is a doctor of the church. 
That's very, very special. So here we go. It will be very helpful to state clearly what must be done to fast well these 40 days. For although everyone is bound to know it and practice it, religious and persons dedicated to our Lord are more particularly obliged to it. Now, among all the conditions required for fasting well, I, says St. Francis de Sales, will select three principal ones and speak familiarly, familiarly, how do you say that, about them. The first condition is that when I find something like this from him, I underline it, I highlight it, I write it out because now I have a now I have a my marching orders. Now I have a roadmap to do things well, not to go crazy, but to do things well. Um, and he says the first condition is that we must fast with our whole heart. You hear this? We must fast with your. Isn't it, we, didn't we read that yesterday in Joel? Rend your heart, not your garments. We must fast with our whole heart, that is to say, willingly, wholeheartedly, universally and entirely. If I recount to you St. Bernard's words regarding fasting, you will know not only why it is instituted, but also how it ought to be kept. St. Bernard says that fasting was instituted by our Lord as a remedy for our mouth for our gormandizing, and for our gluttony. Since sin entered the world through the mouth, the mouth must do penance by being deprived of foods prohibited and forbidden by the church, abstaining from them for the space of 40 days. But this glorious saint, St. Bernard, adds that as it is not our mouth alone which has sinned, but also all our other senses, our fast must be general and entire. That is, all the members of our body must fast. For if we have offended God through the eyes, through the ears, through the tongue, and through our other senses, why should we not make them fast as well? And not only must we make uh, the bodily senses fast, but also the soul's powers and passions. Yes, even the understanding, the memory, and the will, since we have sinned through both body and spirit. Oh, I don't think my memory could fast any more than it's already doing on its own. St. <laughs> Francis de Sales says, How many sins have entered into the soul? through the eyes, as Holy Scripture indicates. That is why they must fast by keeping them lowered and not permitting them to look upon frivolous and unlawful objects. You see, we talk, call that in religious life the custody of the eyes. We refrain from looking at certain things. Even when we have grand silence in, in the convent, the priory, we have custody of our eyes. We don't look at one another during grand silence. We don't look at one another and smile. We keep our eyes to ourselves. So it's truly silence because there's many ways you can communicate, but then you're not keeping silence even if you're not speaking. So first he says they must fast by keeping their eyes lowered and not permitting them to look upon frivolous and unlawful objects. And then the ears by depriving them of listening to vain talk, 
which serves only to fill the mind with worldly images. You know that um, not only vain talk, gossip is in the same scripture passage as uh, homosexuals and murderers and liars who will not enter the kingdom of God. Gossips are included for that. And you say, well, I don't gossip, but my friends do, and I, I'm with them. No, you don't. You just need to excuse. If you listen to gossip, you've partaken of it. You have to say, excuse me, dear friends. I just don't want to take part in gossip. I'll see you later. You need to do that. Because we need to guard our ears and our eyes. And then the tongue, in not speaking idle words and those which savor of the world, or of the things of the world. We ought also to cut off useless thoughts, as well as vain memories and superfluous appetites and desires of our will. In short, St. Francis says, we ought to hold in check all those things which keep us from loving or tending to the sovereign good. In this way, interior fasting accompanies exterior fasting. You see, and the exterior fasting won't be a torture for you. If that's all you focus on, it, it's going to be a torture. You're going to be tempted at every turn to, to not follow it through. But if the exterior fasting is the fruit of your interior fasting, it, you will want to do it for love of God. You won't feel yourself deprived. You'll feel it a privilege to be able to do that. This is what the church wishes to signify, St. Francis says, during this holy time of Lent, teaching us to make our eyes, our ears, and our tongue fast. For this reason, the church omits all harmonious chants in order to mortify the hearing. She no longer says hallelujah and clothes herself completely in somber and dark colors. And on this first day, she addresses us in these words, Remember, man, that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. As if she meant to say, O man, quit at this moment all joys and merrymaking, merrymaking, all joyful and pleasant reflections, and fill your memory with bitter, hard, and sorrowful thoughts. In this way you will make your mind fast together, with your body. <clears throat> this is also what the Christians of the primitive church taught us when in order to spend Lent in a better way, they deprive themselves at this time of ordinary conversations with their friends and withdrew into great solitude and places removed from communion with people. You know, we are a contemplative, active community here. Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, our contemplative, active Benedictine sisters. We pray all the eight hours of the rule of St. Benedict during the day, uh, in addition to Mass and Holy Hour and the Rosary. Um, and, um, and we do work, and, and, and uh, when we can... Uh, we have we work with families and all of that, and of course we've been limited as long as we're in Tulsa until we find the new diocese. But um, uh, 
some of the women, when they first come in, they say, well, I didn't think this was a cloistered order. And we say, but it's not. Well, you, you, you're silent. We can't even talk. That's right. We live in silence. Not that you cannot talk if there's something important to say or if you have a need. But no, we live in silence because it's the only way we can live in contemplation. It's the only way our lives become prayer. We, we, we live in silence. We have certain times for talking, times of recreation, for sure. But we live in silence. It's the only way. And I tell you, if you can make your homes, especially during this Lenten season, a place of silence, give up TV for all of Lent. Give up TV for all of Lent. If you want to watch some wonderful uh, Lenten programs on EWTN, this is a good thing. But that means once in a while or once a day, an hour a day at the most, something like that. Live in silence. Don't have music playing in the house. Don't have the news playing. Live in silence. Make your home a little retreat, a little monastery during Lent. And pray and read, and practice the virtues that you want to develop. For the same reason, St. Francis de Sales says, the ancient fathers and the Christians of the year 400 or so were so careful to spend these 40 days well that they were not satisfied with abstaining from prohibited meats, but even abstained from eggs, fish, milk, and butter, and lived on herbs and roots alone. And not content with making their bodies fast in this manner, they made their minds and all the powers of the soul fast also. They placed sackcloth on their heads in order to learn to keep their eyes lowered. They sprinkled ashes on their heads as a sign of penance. They withdrew into solitude, to mortify the tongue and hearing, and hearing neither speaking nor hearing anything vain and useless. At that time, they practiced great and austere penances by which they subjected their body and made all its members fast. They did all this with full liberty, neither forced nor constrained. Note how their fast was accomplished wholeheartedly and universally. For they understood very well that since not only the mouth has sinned, but also all the other senses of our bodies and powers of the soul, the passions and appetites are full of iniquities. It is thus reasonable that in order to make our fast complete and meritorious, it should be universal, that is to say, practiced in both body and spirit. This is the first condition to be observed in order to fast well. There's two more. This is the first. The first condition to fast well is to fast both in body and in spirit. And beloved, you can you can buy this book. It's still in print. This is this is an old copy of it. I'll show you the cover. The sermons of oops, what did I do? Yeah, the sermons of Francis de Sales for Lent. Um and you can get a copy of it. It's been republished. looks much prettier. It's published by Tan, T-A-N, outstanding publisher. And when we come back, dear ones, we'll take your calls and your emails uh, and your text toll-free, 
5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is the Pope Paul VI Institute Minute with Dr. Tom Hilgers. What are other disturbing trends in women's health care and the care of children and families? Since the 1960s, despite advances in medicine, we have seen increased prematurity, babies born with low birth weights, and multiple pregnancies. Many of you know that along with multiple pregnancies, especially those resulting from the artificial reproductive technologies, selective reduction is increasingly performed. This is a well-crafted, deliberately deceptive term for abortion of one or more of the babies. Sadly, we have also been witnessing an increase in infertility and impaired fertility and a dramatic increase in sexually transmitted diseases, related cancers, and AIDS. I believe, and the studies are backing this belief, that these disturbing trends are related. Until next time, I'm Dr. Tom Hilgers. Log on to www.popepaul the sixth. That's Roman numeral six. dot com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. It's our full half hour together. I love this half hour when we can talk back and forth, or I could read your emails and text. Um, and, and one more time, the toll-free number to call or text is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, and you may email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have a text from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Mother, I wanted to hear your opinion on last night's topic on the Catholic Current radio program. They were discussing the scourge of clericalism in the church today. They offered the doctrine of Christ the King as the best defense against clericalism. I wondered if you would give your opinion on the matter as a whole and then specifically to Christ the King. Also, do you believe that clericalism is the source of the great scandals in the church today? No, dear one, I do not believe that. I know there is clericalism, sadly, indeed, it's a disease. 
Uh, of course there is, but I don't believe it's the source. Um, well, the, the ultimate source is Satan, who, as uh, Pope Paul VI said, the smoke of Satan has entered the church. Uh, he has never stopped destroying, uh, seeking to destroy uh, the human race. And we're here we're going through Lent with our Lord's 40 days in the wilderness um, because of our first parents who sinned. Um, and then uh, his 40 days in the wilderness uh, also in part is penance for Israel's 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience. And so um, uh, clericalism wasn't their problem. It's always a lack of faith. It's always a lack of faith. It's always an, a, a refusal by those who have received grace to live up to the grace they've been given. Um, and it's it's those of little faith who fall away. It's those maybe of great faith who think they have enough faith and, and they forget that they need to keep the coals burning and uh, it becomes mechanical. Uh, pride sets in when people, you know... Um, you could be a very humble priest and eventually be made a bishop and and um, pride can get to you or an archbishop or a cardinal and um, it, it's it, the, the enemy is always, 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 always uh, looking for ways to for a chink in the armor with us always and and that's the whole series uh, season of lent as well you may have everything in lent you want to do your penances your fasts your love for god your prayers everything and uh, i tell you in my case um i don't think i'm alone but i'll certainly tell you it's my case every time i am absolutely determined to do something I'm going to start today. I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But I'm absolutely determined. I go to bed at night and I am, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'll never be more excited or more encouraged uh, than I am right now. I'm on it. And the next day, I fail. You see? Um, and is it the weakness in my flesh? No question. Is it my lack of love and true willingness to sacrifice? Of course. Or at least in part. Um, but I also know, beloved, that um, nothing touches us that God doesn't allow. And I believe also that at times um, God will allow us to fail uh, in order to bring us back to, to our senses, to our fallenness, to the fact that apart from him we can do nothing. So I think that on large, 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 large scale, that's what happened. That's what's happened in the church to priests, to bishops, uh, cardinals, uh, consecrated people, because they have vowed to live for God. And they are the ones that the enemy is going to attack the most. Do they have to give in? No. Do they have the grace of God? Sure. The way you and I do. But yet I fail as well. So um, we need to be on our guard that... Um, the higher we get, um, what does what the scripture said? Behold, when you think you stand, lest you fall. Anyone who thinks they stand will fall. God will make sure they fall, you see, and because apart from him we can do nothing that um, counts for eternal life. So I think the whole thing in the church is the enemy's attack 
and letting all these fleshly, sensualized sins get into the church, uh, our passions that we don't have control over, and it's an absolute epidemic. The coronavirus right now is a small little sniffle of a cold next to the the uh, the great um, um, epidemic in the church. Most have lost their faith, and I think the reason that um, Christ the King is uh, paramount, um, the doctrine of Christ the King is the best offense against, against clericalism. I didn't hear the program, but I applaud them for that, because if we truly see Christ as King, then then we don't do our own thing then we're not proud and we don't destroy the faith and we don't destroy the sheep and uh, we don't take over the reins of Christ and destroy the church. We bow before the king. We submit as his servants. And the one who needs to submit the most are those who are the highest in in office. So um, we know very little of kings in the United States. We are... uh, pluralistic, we are independent, everything is I, 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 I can do my my own thing as I want, the way I want, when I want, how I want, but under a king, nations that have a king, that was not the case. They understood what authority meant. They understood what it meant to bow to the king, and um, and we do not understand that. And so I think if we ever understood what a king is and who what it means that Christ is king, we would get on our knees or lie prostrate before him and repent. We have a call from John from Kentucky. Hi, John. Good morning, Mother. Good it's morning, always dear. An honor to, it's always an honor to speak with you. Oh, I'm glad you called um, in. I, I watched a video from uh, Bishop Barron that he gave at the L.A. rec. And I have such problems with that whole conference. Uh, I, I so live do two I. Miles from it. Yeah. Uh, I live two miles from it all of my life. Mm-hmm. And there's something going on with Bishop Barron that it really truly has staggered me. I, I you know, he, he, he saw the Pew um, research poll that said that 73% of Catholics don't believe in the real presence and so on. And t- to make my question or my comment short, he he was so surprised by that. And that staggers me because when I was in Orange County for 30 years, I never heard a homily on the real presence. Jesus, our loving Lord, sweet Jesus, as my witness, not one time from the priest, mm-hmm. from the yeah. pulpit. And he's, he actually seems shocked by that and, and and how can that be does he not know i mean what was his what is his first clue they never preach about it it's like contraception and the rest of it but why do catholics not believe in the real presence because they haven't been taught that for all of my adult life john and dear I just wanted to know. you're right you're right um uh, the majority, or, or yes, a majority of Catholics, whether it's 73% or 83% or 52%, the majority of Catholics don't believe. I've spoken to them. I say, well, why do you receive then? They say, just in case. We're not sure. That kind of thing. So um, Bishop Barron, 
I, I'm simply going to say has been problematic, John, on on other topics as well. Uh, saying sure. that there's a, oh yeah, I, I yeah I know you know that, yeah. and so that Christ right. salvation through Christ is the preferred way. It's not not the only way. Uh, there's a reasonable hope that all will be saved. All of that. It, it, he is, he's, he's a, an outstanding uh, communicator, tremendously gifted, yeah. but um, I, I, I am so discouraged by what he says that I, I would not send anyone to him for his teaching at this point. Well, you know, when he gets up, in, 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 I'm happy that he did it. I'm so happy, and, and you know... I, I, I could pick apart his talk, but he talked about the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist at the L.A. Rec. Am Good. I happy about that? Yes. Yeah, of course, absolutely. But, but, but do you think, I mean, do you actually think that the bishops and the priests, and they really don't know, they really don't know what's wrong? I mean, it's their fault. John, you know, the, the devil is the master of lies and the, and the great deceptor. So it, it's, we're in very confused and confusing times. And we cannot know by the behavior of so many bishops what they believe and what they do not. Their actions in so many cases and even their speech is so grievous that I, I cannot decide what they believe and what they don't. And... Um, and and all of that. It's very difficult. It's does Bishop Barron have wonderful teachings? He certainly does. But when I hear bishops who teach as he does, um, when Our Lady of Fatima says that uh, more people go to hell for sins of the flesh than any other sin, and Bishop Barron says there's a reasonable hope that um, everyone will be in heaven, there's no putting that together. And so... I can't, I'm not his judge, I can't tell you what's going on with him, but I know what you're saying, and and when I hear such confused and unorthodox teaching coming from bishops, I just, I just stay away from what they say and what they write. Man, I, it, it's just absolutely unbelievable to me. I was hoping maybe you would give me something, to, but I'm like you. I wish I could. It's so confusing. It's I wish so I could. I, well, well, the thank L.A. God that the, you're out there. Well, the L.A., you calling it a wreck, spelling it W-R-E-C-K? Is that what you mean? Wreck, yeah, it's a wreck. Yeah, it's well, a wreck. It's a train it wreck. It should not exist. It should not right. be happening. And that is the most grievous of all. And so... Mother, you might be able to help me with something that I struggle with, and I really don't know the answer to this. I see EWTN broadcasting from there, and I love Catholic Answers. Catholic Answers and you and Catholic Answers helped me so much in my conversion, I can't tell you how much you helped me. But what are they doing there? In a way, I kind of recoil when I see them you know, doing live broadcasts from there. It, it, well, what am I? You mean to think you about mean that? the the huge when you, when you say the L.A. wreck, you're talking about. I mean about... the conference. I mean the conference on the uh, on the convention floor. Um, uh, Catholic put on by the, was there. Put on by the 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 conference put on by the diocese. Yes, that Father James Martin was speaking at. Yeah. 
So, so, so well, I, you know what? I, 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 that I have Catholic answers helped me into the church, John. I have enormous I know, I know. I am, respect and regard I for know. them, and I can tell you now, it's I, I can't tell you why they were there. Um, I cannot accept the thing. The only thing I can think of is um, the faith of the people who would attend that conference is so. I, don't, I can't tell you what the faith of the people is, but that conference it can only destroy many people and keep our current destruction of the faith going on. And Catholic Answers is the number one apologetics uh, lay association in the country, if not the world. And maybe they you. feel we've got to... I do too, they help me into the church. Um, maybe they feel we have to get a million good pillars of fire out there, good Catholic material for people to read. And in that sense, it would be good for them to be there. That's the only reason I can think of their being there, so that people can get truth, have a million pamphlets on the the truth of the Eucharist. That's the only thing I can think of, and for that, I would honor them. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community, connect with us through social media, and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last 
little segment together, and you still have time to call in if you'd like. Toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. We're going to go to a text uh, from Cindy, who says, "I know that we say that Jesus existed from the beginning of time, though he did not have a human body." until he was conceived in Mary's womb. That's correct. So when we say in the creed that Jesus was begotten, not made, what does that actually mean? All right. Um, When we beget, uh, we beget or give birth, we beget to someone, something of the same kind. What it means is that he's God. That's what it means. If you beget a child, you're a a woman, you're a human being, or you're a man, uh, that child is a human being. You have begotten that child. You have begotten a uh, person, a being of the same kind as you. Um, And so when God begets a son, that son is God because he begets the same kind as he. Now, the fact that that son who is God um, took on flesh from the Virgin Mary, his, his, his being of God, that flesh would be nothing apart from, um, from God. He, is, he became the God-man, 100% God, 100% man, and um, his body was created, yes, in, with the Virgin Mary, yes. But he, as a person, the God-man, as God, was not created. Let me just read you something I just um, was, was begotten. Let me read. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I came across this, has a wonderful quote on this. He said, we do not use the words begetting or begotten much in modern English, but everyone still knows what they mean. To beget is to become the father of, to create is to make. Okay, to beget is to become the father of, to create is to make. The difference is this, when you beget, you beget something of the same kind as yourself. A man begets human babies. A beaver begets little beavers, and a bird begets eggs, which turn into little birds. But when you make, you make something of a different kind from yourself. A bird makes a nest, a beaver builds a dam, a man makes a wireless set. Or he may make something more like himself than a wireless set, say a statue. If he is a clever enough carver, he may make a statue which is very like a man indeed. But of course, it is not a real man. It only looks like one. It cannot breathe or think. It is not alive. And so um, what God begets is God, just as what man begets is man. What God creates is not God, just as what man creates is not man. And so by saying that Jesus is begotten from the Father, we are saying that Jesus is fully God and not a creation of God, which would be um, uh, the problem of Arianism, um, nor is the Son of God simply a mode or action of God, which is Sabellianism. There's another term uh, called modalism, and that is to say that um, 
God the Father becomes the Son and or becomes the Spirit. He different modes rather than three different persons. But of course, that's that's also false. So I hope, Cindy, that that helps. Um, we have a call from Francis in Elmira, New York. Hi, Francis. Hi, how's it going? It's going fine with me, sweetheart. How about with you? Uh, good. I had a uh, question. Just uh, how do you uh, believe you get to heaven? And can we know for sure if we, uh, we can go to heaven? We can. Um, we get to heaven. Jesus said, as you know, dear one, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So we get to Christ through, we get to the Father, we get to heaven through Christ and he's the head of his church, not separate from it. We are his body S- through Christ. The whole Christ is him and the church he established. Um, that's how we get to heaven, by believing in Christ, by being born again, born from above as we are in baptism. We're born from our mother's womb uh, physically, but we're born spiritually um, born again spiritually for the first time from above through baptism. And we can know, Francis, that we're going to heaven. Um, now, we could fall. We could be in a, in, a, in a state of grace now, and we can commit mortal sin tomorrow or today and not go to confession and not be reconciled to God and not be in heaven. That's why the Apostle Paul write, writes, um, that be careful when you think you stand, lest you fall. Always know we have to cling to God. But we have a moral assurance that if we don't turn from God, we will be in heaven. So the, do you believe that you can lose salvation? Then? Well, actually, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no, and I'm going to explain it this way. Salvation is a process. Romans 8.29 says, Whom he um, foreknew, he called, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he sanctified, whom he sanctified, he glorified. I might be missing a step in there. But it's one process of, of sanctification, growing in grace, becoming more like God until we are before him face to face and we have the gift of purgatory if we still need a little cleaning up after we die in a state of grace. And so we're not fully saved. Peter says now is salvation nearer than when we began. So we're not fully saved until we're in heaven. So once we're in heaven, we are fully saved and nothing can turn us from that. And so we can say, once saved, always saved. We can. We cannot say it as Protestants do, that I signed up my name on the line, I asked Jesus into my heart, and I'm saved and nothing I can do can undo that. No, no. You are brought into a state of grace. You are brought through baptism into the life of Christ. But um, now... You need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and what, nothing unholy will enter heaven. But what if you don't have time to uh, do all those things like the thief on the cross and John? Well, he, he goes straight to heaven because he didn't have time to sin. See, we are, the, through baptism, we are newborn babes. All our sin yeah. is taken away he, at baptism. A, if we sin after was, that, we need to confess that. We need to be restored to God. Yeah, but the thief on the cross was, you know, a man and obviously did sin and didn't have time to get baptized. All he had time to do was believe in Christ. That's correct. And the church teaches, since this man on the cross, great sinner, 
He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He had come to faith. And Jesus said to him, not not the other thief, but the one who repented in his heart, that Jesus could see his heart. You, today you will be with me in paradise. Did he have time to get baptized by water? No. But the church teaches two other baptisms, Francis. One is a baptism of desire. One is a baptism of blood. The baptism of blood would be that of the martyr who dies um, for Christ with it before he had a chance to be baptized. I can give you a beautiful story of that. Um, but all, the other is the baptism of desire. Someone who, is like the thief on the cross, a great sinner deserving hell like we do, but yet he repented. And God said, you'll be with me today in paradise. He was baptized by the grace of God through his, what's called the baptism of desire. And that's the teaching of the church. Yeah, I I, uh, appreciate your time. I I do disagree with you. I'm a a Baptist preacher, and I just wanted to, you know, just kind of hear what you guys say. But I do appreciate your time, and I thank you. Okay, I look forward to speaking with you again, dear Francis. God bless you. God bless all of you, and uh, blessed Lent, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.